Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, your personal trainer for love, welcoming you back to the Love You podcast where you can learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. And uh, as always, uh, I got some juicy stuff for you. Today's topic is lust, why men are attracted to some women and not others. This, of course, is just one man's point of view. This is not a definitive point of view. I do not speak for every man. I will be speaking for myself as a proxy for my gender. So uh, take that as far as you want to take that. Um, before we begin, I just want to remind you, I am giving away a special gift to you. It is uh, two free weeks in my Love You coaching program, uh, specifically about confidence. Uh, if you have confidence, you can do anything. You could write a great online dating profile. You'll know how to handle uh, his sexual advances in the bedroom. You'll know how to write better texts. You'll know how to set healthy boundaries and communicate better. Confidence is everything and I'm giving you a two-week free shot of confidence. All you have to do is go to www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash free dash trial and sign up for two weeks free in Love You. I, uh, I've admitted before that I'm kind of a slut. I don't have, uh, I, I, I've always been attracted to uh, lots of people. Uh, attraction was never hard. Finding someone that I wanted to spend a ton of time with was hard. Someone who really got me, uh, who was a good fit for my life, but but when I was single and dating, um, it wasn't hard for me to find an attractive woman to write to online. I would assume a lot of men feel the same way. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, I had my pick of the litter or that, that dating was always easy. You know, quite, quite the contrary. There was a lot of trial and error and failure. And so at one point in time, I got set up with a woman. Uh, she'll, we'll call her, I don't know, uh, Carol. <laughs> I don't know why I call her Carol. Um, and we were set up. A friend in New York said, oh, you guys would really like each other. And we went out on a date and she was cool. I mean, just super cool. She was into college basketball and, and dogs and pop culture. And she was a lawyer and just was really quick. Uh, I think I remember she was a Yankees fan too because she was originally from New York and I'm a Yankees fan. So it was one of those things where it was like, I could talk to this woman forever. I mean, we were, you know, it was four hour dates and I went out with her three times. It was, it was effortless. It was like talking to a, a, a good guy friend. Um, but I didn't want to kiss her. And that was shocking to me because there's lots of people I want to kiss, but for some reason that I couldn't quite put my finger on at the end of these amazing dates, I had a revulsion is too strong a word, but I did not have the desire to go in for the kiss. And so I didn't do any like slow fade. Um, you know, I didn't just disappear on her. I mean, I, I sort of just, I, I let her know that I, you know, I wasn't, wasn't feeling the, the chemistry necessary to move forward and wished her the best of luck. Uh, she's now married with the kid. You know, she's, she's, she's turned out fine. You know, it's not like she was uh, devastated by, by me, but I was so angry at myself because I was like, you're the dating coach. You're running around giving advice. You can't find anybody. Someone gives you someone who's the coolest woman you've met in forever, and what's wrong with you, man? And I know, as a dating coach for women, women feel this all the time. You meet a guy and you're just not feeling it, right? I wanna give you the validation. You're allowed to not feel it. Attraction is not a choice. It comes from deep within, right? But it does make you beat yourself up. This person's really, really great. I really like this person personally, but I'm not feeling that thing that makes me want to, right? That primal thing that I need to feel to be in a relationship. So 
there's a dating coach, uh, uh, his stage name is David D'Angelo, and he's the first person I heard say attraction is not a choice, and very glad to give him credit for that. Uh, it sounds shallow, but it's surprisingly profound. Um, when it comes to the first few dates, attraction is not a choice. I mean, if you've heard this statistic, you know, a guy will know if he wants to have sex with you in the first couple seconds of seeing you. Right, that's not within your control. It helps to look nice, but at the end of the day, it's either there or it's not. It's not going to have a chance to build. I uh, went to Wikipedia, the source of everything, and I looked up the word lust. I'm going to read it to you. Lust is the feeling of sexual desire. Romantic attraction determines what, par what partners mates find attractive and pursue, conserving time and energy by choosing. An attachment involves sharing a home, parental duties, mutual defense, and in humans involves feelings of safety and security. These are three distinct neural circuitries, including neurotransmitters and three behavioral patterns associated with these romantic styles. This is from the actually the page called Love on Wikipedia. Lust, specifically, is the initial passionate sexual desire that promotes mating, sex, and involves the increased release of chemicals such as testosterone and estrogen. These effects rarely last more than a few weeks or months. So as I've previously stated, think of those times that you felt the most intense chemistry or lust. It wasn't rational. It wasn't because a person was a good person or marriage material or that you saw a peaceful long-term future. It was just an animal attraction. And so I don't do much preparation for these, despite the notes. I don't like, you know, I'm kind of winging it every time I talk here. Um, but I took the time before I got here to think of the times in my life when I felt the most intense lust, where it, where it stuck out for me. The same way you could remember the times in your life when you got injured, right? Like childhood injuries when you're six, you can remember it. It's like traumatic. The times that I felt the most lust are somewhat illustrative, and I wrote them down. It was my first kiss in 1986. I was waiting 15 years for that, so there's a lot built up. One of them was watching a... a a girl who I tutored play piano in 1989. I was a senior in high school. I was tutoring her because I was a dork and she was cool and she was playing piano. I was like, oh my God, I want her so bad. But I was a dork who couldn't make a move. I was hooking up with a British traveler here in the United States in 1998. There was uh, the four months that I dated my perfect 10 girlfriend in 2000. There was a weekend tryst with a woman from New York in 2002. There was a wicked crush I had on someone that I played softball with in 2003. And there was another wicked crush I had on a neighbor in 2006. And those are just the ones that stood out, right? And in a lifetime of meeting thousands of people, this is seven examples or so of things that stood out in my mind that to this day make me melt. Um, out of all those examples, one turned out to be a girlfriend. And that was the most disastrous relationship I ever had. Um, Half of my other most intense experiences were nothing more than crushes, right? Unconsummated, just feelings towards someone that I physically admired from afar or anear, but never actually did anything about, right? People I never even kissed, um, but people who had a strangely powerful effect on me. Right? So I, I'm, I'm using myself as a way for you to get into the psychology of, of lust and how primal and irrational it is right, to want to uh, have sex with a stranger, essentially, based on nothing, based on looks, hormones, pheromones, brain chemicals, 
right? That, that say nothing about that person's kindness, humor, character, compatibility. It's just a feeling. And that's the, the crazy thing about lust. It's temporary, it's chemical, and it's not connected to anything larger, right? It's just, just about sex. So the effects of lust were like the effects of getting drunk or getting high. They had no correlation to real life happiness. I, looking back on my own list, maybe you can make your own list. Maybe you, you can learn from your own lust list. If I met some of these women today, we wouldn't even be friends, right? That's the thing about lust. It's not about friendship. It's, it, it's not about companionship. It is just about sex. And we're strangely prudish about talking about sex. It's awkward. It's awkward for me to talk to you about the times I lusted after other women back in my 20s and 30s. Um, but you can't really teach about lust. You could talk about lust, you can't teach it, right? Um, it's visceral instant attraction. So why would I do a Love You podcast if there's nothing actually to teach? I personally think that there's an idea that we can explore together. Um, lust is not a conscious choice, we've established that. We've established that lust, while intoxicating, doesn't necessarily make for a happy relationship. And if you look at the people you lusted after, can you draw some broad conclusions about them? I'll bet you can. So I want to emphasize before I get into this section that no advice is one size fits all, right? Just because this is my view on it doesn't mean it has to be your view on it. And people lust after different things. Um, you know, I am, I'm what is known as sapiosexual. I've always lusted after women with really powerful brains, um, uh, really smart women. That was my aphrodisiac. But there's some women out there who lust after big beefy muscle heads and some women lust after brilliant nerds and some women lust after guys with pretty boy looks and some women lust after guys with who are edgy and they got tattoos and piercings and different strokes for different folks. So I'm not going to explain why, right? Go back into your childhood and explain why or draw these conclusions. My point is simply that there's a lid for every pot, right? Um, some pots, however, have more lids than others. If your if your taste or fetish is really really rare, right? Um, you know, if you have some sort of sexual fetish where you you know you like to dress up in a Barney costume, then it's going to be hard for you to find another person who's who wants to do that and is also compatible with you for life. There's no judgment on you, but the 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 more mainstream you taste, the more people you have to choose from, obviously, and the more mainstream you are the more people are going to be likely to choose from you. I always think of, uh, when I was working at J-Date, there, there was a guy on J-Date, it was a Jewish dating, he had dreadlocks. And I was like, there's your problem. Like, I don't wanna argue with you, but Jewish girls are usually not looking for guys with dreadlocks. He's like, but this is who I am. I said, okay, then keep your dreadlocks, but don't complain that no Jewish girls who are looking for doctors and lawyers want a guy with dreadlocks. I, just, I, I don't judge you in the least. If your dreadlocks is more important than dating a Jewish girl, you might need to go to a different community where dreadlocks are more popular, but it's not going to be jaded. So we all sort of make our choices. So when it comes to lust, you can't try to cater to everybody. I would never tell you to get tattoos because some guys like them or fake breasts because some guys like them. Uh, regardless of what you see in women's magazines, the truth is that the brain is the biggest sex organ. The problem is we don't fully understand it. We only know when it sends us these powerful subconscious signals that we're drawn towards someone. So in the second half of the podcast, I'm going to explain why men are attracted to some women more than others. There's going to be a prescriptive thing for this. Um, I really encourage you to stick around. 
and uh, explain how you can get guys more attracted to you. Uh, my name is Evan Mark Katz. This is the Love You Podcast, and we will be right back. Hey, this is Evan Marquez, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love, welcoming you back to the Love You Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men. And today, we're talking about sex, specifically lust, why men are attracted to some women and not others, plus why you're attracted to certain men. So I always think it's interesting to look at, uh, at things from different angles. And so I started with thinking of my, my little lust list that I gave in the first half of the, of the podcast, and I wanted to throw some ideas out at you to see if these, if, if you could identify with why you felt lust. Because again, we're trying to go deeper. Yes, we know what lust feels like, but why? Why does, it, why does something trigger? So for me, uh, I made a list of four things right off the top of my head. Number, number one was excitement, right? Just, it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> the anticipation is really high. Um, if you're just sort of disproportionately excited or it's been a long time or this is someone that you've uh, admired from afar forever, there's a sort of mental buildup. So excitement factors into lust. Um, when the person is oblivious, I've discovered, it creates uh, lust. There's an unequal p playing field. I mean, our, our cameraman was just talking about um, putting someone up on a pedestal. Um, in my situation, I could see that. There was the girl who played piano, who I tutored, who I lusted after. There was my softball crush. There was my neighbor. And the power that they had over me, right? whether they acknowledged it or knew it or not, and I, I suspect they did because I couldn't have been particularly cool, um, they never broke character. They never let on that they knew that I was gaga about them. Uh, and therefore they never shot me down. They never made me feel bad. They just seemed to enjoy the tension and just act oblivious to it. And it just made ignited and made my fantasy life heat up. Um, the more they were oblivious to me, the more I was excited about them. And it always felt like the possibility was in the air that something would happen, but that was something that was all in my head. Deep down, I knew that I was never gonna make a move, and if I made a move, it probably wouldn't go well, so I got to keep this fantasy, they got to keep their secret admirer, and no one was the wiser. Uh, number three, uh, number three reason why you, you uh, might lust after someone is, again, it's not deep. Someone could just be objectively hot, or whatever you de determine hot. When you're with someone who may be out of your league, like again, I had one girlfriend who was objectively out of my league physically, it's almost like you wanna tell the story while you're in the middle of the story, like, look at me, look, look at her, look at me, this is ridiculous. So it, it becomes a bit of a, of a trophy thing. You wanna take pictures to prove that this happened. Look at me, I'm on the top of Mount Everest. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it doesn't appeal to our higher mind, but sometimes, it's just, it's almost for, for the sake of, of the story, being able to say you climbed the mountain, um, not for any other reason. Lust is also, number four, it's all about sex. Um, uh, a particularly memorable animalistic moment. Uh, and as I said, I had a couple of weekend trysts during which we kind of never left the bedroom for a weekend. And there's nothing to teach about that, right? It's just something to observe. But when someone's on the same sexual wavelength of you, as you, it's really like adding fuel to a pre-existing fire. It just makes it burn brighter. Um, and so I go back and I try to make connections and I analyze what's the common thread between the women I lusted after? And again, how could you flip that over and apply it to the men? Here's what I concluded. They were all confident in their sexuality. 
or at least in their sense of self. They were not shy about being attracted to me. They were not shy about their bodies. They were not shy about initiating or engaging in physical contact. They operated under the assumption that I liked them, which wasn't very hard since I was Gaga. Um, and because they were so confident that I liked them, they knew they could do no wrong. They carried themselves like queens, right? And there was not a hint of insecurity. This is another thing that goes to fuel lust. And when we're talking about how you can fuel a man's lust in you, this is, it all stems from confidence in you, your desirability as a woman, your body, right? Your sexuality, your fearlessness, right? Those traits are the kind of things that men lust after. The other thing, and this is not the case for everybody, but for me, they all exuded joy. Um, when I look back on these women, I don't remember having any heavy discussions about our relationship and what it all meant. We were very present, right? It was just right there in the moment. We were, we were into each other and that was all that mattered. So as, you know, since I'm a dating coach for women and I try to weave my personal experience into something that you can take away, what is this, what, what is left for you to extrapolate from this? What is there for you to bring into your real life? Um, I touch on this a lot, but it bears repeating. Confidence is everything. Um, I talk about this in the flirting section of Love You, which is in the second month of the course. True confidence is assuming that every single man wants you, right? wants to sleep with you, wants to date you, wants to marry you. You start with the assumption that every guy likes you and that the answer is always yes. And if you carry yourself that way, guess what? 90% of the time, the answer is going to be yes. Very powerful, the power of believing in yourself. If you like you, people will like you. Next, showing your attraction and not being shy about your own interest in sex. Um, guys, we're a little slow. Sure, there's some guys who are like, I'll hit on anything, I'll go hit on some furniture and see but, you know, if it's responsive to me. But for the most part, guys are just like you. We just know that our role is to be the one who has to do the approaching and that kind of thing. And so we have to be bold. It's still hard to approach someone. It's still hard to make a move. It's still hard to get shot down and put your arm around someone or lean in for a kiss and, and get denied. All right. So the more you can give him signals, yes, your advances are wanted or even initiate, right? You put your hand on his knee, you lean in close to him, you put your arm in his when you're walking down the street. Any subtle signal that lets him know I'm attracted to you, you can proceed, it's working, that's going to embolden even a shy guy to be more confident and be willing to take the chance. Because right? the certain guys are like, they'll, as I said, they'll hit on anybody. They'll make you uncomfortable. They don't care if you're interested in them. They're just going to go for it. But there's a wide swath of men who are really looking for your signals. Right? And a lot of women don't give signals. Right? They, they're, you know, they're, you're nervous as well. And so you're just sort of stand there and, and sort of wait for him to step up. And he's reacting to your behavior. And he's like, well, she looks pretty tense there. I don't know if I should go break into that. So um, the important thing is making him feel like you're just as into it as, as he is. Um, he doesn't, you know, he may put you on a pedestal, but if you could bring him up there with you, uh, that's a really great gift to him. Um, and as I said, not being nervous about your body or your future. If you show him, right, and those are two separate things, 
uh, being comfortable in your own body, being able to have sex with the lights on, um, uh, not being ashamed of taking off your shirt or taking off your pants or just, just being very free. Didn't say it's easy, but there's a little bit of fake it till you make it. What would a confident woman do here? Let's do that. Let's act like a confident woman would and let's see how people respond to it. So you can't be nervous about your body nor can you be nervous about your future. You can't go into a sexual encounter thinking, where's this going? I hope he calls me again. I really like this guy. Like now you're in your head and you're not in the present, right? And that's going to kill the vibe and the momentum, right? Hopefully you are not having sex. If you're listening to me, you're not having sex with someone who isn't your boyfriend anyway. So you don't have to spend any time thinking about your future. Your future is, is, is already safe. He's committed to you. I want to pivot just for the last few minutes of this podcast um, because I found myself thinking of an old blog post I've written. I've written over a thousand blog posts on evanmarkcats.com. Uh, we get over a million people a month coming there. And um, it was about why women are attracted to certain men. And I want to quote from it. Um, it's weird to quote yourself, but, but I, it, felt, it felt appropriate. Since I'm talking about why men lust for certain women, I thought it was interesting to talk about why women lust for certain men. And my thesis, and it is always just a thesis, is that women are attracted to confident men who, who display passion and proficiency. Passion is all about effort and energy and devotion. It's about living, breathing, and embodying something. It's about being so immersed in a subject that one can't tell where it begins and you end. If you're passionate, but you're not talented, whether it's as an artist, a businessman, or a lover, you're not getting anywhere, right? Passion in and of itself is, you know, uh, you could be the most passionate uh, stand-up comedian, but if you suck at stand-up comedy, it's not going to be any good. Um, the flip side of passion are people who are truly gifted and talented, but squander their gifts due to indifference, fear, or laziness, for example. There's a musician who wants to be in a band, but he refuses to answer ads to audition. Or there's an entrepreneur who has an amazing business concept, but won't share her idea to begin developing it. Or there's the woman who wants to be a party planner, but won't apprentice on the side to learn the craft. Notice the word but in each sentence. But is the reasonable excuse that we make up and treat as if it's true. When you remove the but, no excuse becomes reasonable. Unreasonable people are the ones who move mountains. So if you ask women, and I have, what is it about a rock star that really gets them? It's a combination of passion and proficiency. It's the confidence exuded by someone who gets up on stage and performs, knowing that he can successfully entertain a crowd. Rock stars and athletes are just the most visible entertainers that we have. But you can look around and find people that are just attractive in everyday life. It could be the guy who picks up a guitar at a campfire and starts leading the songs, or the guy who gets the crowd on its feet during karaoke night. Uh, it might be the guy who could rewire your TV to have stereo sound, or the guy who could whip up a Thanksgiving dinner for your family. We could talk about money, height, power, right? Tall, rich, cocky guys with big egos and fast cars. For the most part, that is not the thing that drives most women. But men who love what they do and are good at it, those guys are always attractive to women. So, I don't know if this challenges you or validates stuff you've already thought of. Uh, hopefully, it makes you, you, makes you makes some ideas percolate in your head. But lust is a wonderful thing. I highly encourage it, uh, and, and I encourage you to embrace it with the caveat that 
it doesn't actually mean anything in terms of a long-term relationship. We, we need to be able to separate those, those chemical feelings of lust or sex from what it means to be in a partnership, but you can have great sex without being in a partnership, don't get me wrong. This is really all about what, how you choose to live life and not being blinded by lust the way so many teenage boys and 60-year-old men also get blinded by lust. Um, there's a better way, it's, it's, and it's a combination of following both your head and your heart, right? like I mentioned in my last podcast, so that you can see things very clearly instead of thinking, oh, I lust for him, therefore I should be with him, because those are two very, very separate things. Anyway, of course, my name is Evan Mark Katz. This is a microphone that I'm not even sure works, and it's the Love You Podcast. <laughs> um, I love you, I appreciate you, and as a gift, I want you to go to www.evanmarkkatz.com forward slash free trial to get yourself two free weeks in Love You. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. You follow me on Facebook, you follow me on Twitter, and uh, I give away more free advice than anybody on the entire internet. So avail yourself to all that free stuff, and pretty soon uh, you're not going to need the Love You podcast anymore. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.